Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Right. So let me start off today by sharing a riddle with you. And if you know the answer to this riddle, don't say it real quick. I want people to think about this. So here it is. A man left home jogging. Jogged a little ways, turn left. Jogged, turn left. Jogged, turn left. Back at home, but when he got home, there were two masked men waiting for him. Why did the man leave home jogging, and who were the masked men? So let me say it again. A man left home jogging, jogged a little ways, turned left. Jogged and turned left. Jogged and turned left. And back home, when he got home, there were two masked men waiting for him. Why did the man leave home jogging, and who were the masked men? You have your Bible with you today, your iPhone, your iPad, whatever you have. Let's hold it up. Let's make this confession today. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient, and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your Word today. So, did you figure it out? Again, a man left home jogging, jogged a little bit, turned left. Jogged, turned left, and then jogged back home. And when he got home, there were two masked men waiting for him. Why did the man leave jogging, and who were the masked men? I can help you with this by giving you one word. I can undo all the things that are scrambling in your mind. Some of you are trying to figure out, was he being chased by the, uh, bad, bad people? And when he gets home, are people there, what it is? But let me give you one word to undo all that your brain is trying to figure out. Baseball. Baseball. Right? But isn't it interesting how our mind works? You know, a man hit a home run. He took off jogging, got to first, turned left. Got to second, turn left. Got to third, turn left. Came back home. What did he get? Two masked men, the umpire and the catcher, right? But isn't it interesting how our mind works? We start trying to figure out, well, what happened? And most of the time when we figure that, it's the worst case scenario, right? I mean, think about this. Uh, uh, you, get a, you have a symptom. Oh, man, I got, a, I got a pain right here. And so what do we do? We go to the Internet. Symptoms of a pain shooting in your left or your right temple. And so we read, what do we do? We read the worst case scenario. Oh, it's cancer. Oh, it's a tumor. And then the next thing, we start saying, oh, I think maybe I have a tumor. I, I think maybe I've, I've got this. So that's how our brain works. Or your kids are late coming home. And so what do we think? Do we think the best that, oh, everything's all right? No, what do we think? Oh, they must have had a wreck. Something's wrong. The boss calls you and says, would you come in early? I want to meet with you. So what do we do? Our brain says, what did you do wrong? You did something wrong. You're about to lose your job. So what, what's up with that? Or you post something on social media and no one responds to it for about an hour and then you start feeling bad. Nobody loves me. Nobody loves me. Nobody's reading my post anymore, isn't that? But isn't that the enemy... 
The enemy goes after our mind so that he can get to our mouth and he can change who we are and what we say about ourselves. We're in a series called The Devil Made Me Do It, and we've got this inspiration from a book that I would really encourage you to read. It's this one, Stand Firm When Satan Attacks by Warren Wearsby, 88-year-old theologian, writer, very, very good. I think you would like it. It takes you about two hours to read the book. So last week, just as a review, we talked about the enemy is called the deceiver. Say deceiver. And his target is what? Our mind. And what weapons does he use? Lies. But our defense is what? The inspired word of God. So today we want to go a step further and we want to talk about Satan being the accuser. Say the accuser. And he targets our heart. Or if you want, our conscience. In the Bible, our heart, if you want to write this down, when in the Bible when it talks about your heart, it's talking about the whole of your being, the, 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 the center of your will, your intellect, and your feelings. So he attacks our will, he attacks our intellect, he attacks our feelings, and here's the weapons that he uses. Are you ready? Here it is. He uses accusations. Say accusations. And the amazing thing is, many of the accusations that he uses against us have a little bit of truth to them. Have a little bit of truth to them. But then our weapon, our weapon against that, our defense is the advocate. And the advocate is whom? Jesus Christ. Proverbs 4 and 23. Would you read this verse out loud with me? Guard your heart. Again, your heart is the very center of who you are. It's your, your intellect, your feelings, and, and all of those. So guard your heart above all else. Look at this. For it determines the course of your life. So last week we said the enemy works hard to attack our mind with lies. And this week we're going to see how that he works hard to attack our heart with accusations. Accusations and lies come into our mind and they become our thoughts unless we take them captive. Our thoughts, listen to this, our thoughts are the forerunner to our beliefs. You never do anything without a thought. So our thoughts are the forerunners to our beliefs. And then our beliefs eventually trickle down into the action of our life. So let me just sort of put this in a paragraph for you. What starts as an accusation to your heart eventually affects your beliefs about yourself. And then it eventually comes out in your words. Oh, I'm just a failure. I'm just a loser. I'll just never amount to anything. And in time, the words that you're saying begins to affect your life. You even slump a little bit. Your head is hung down low. You feel bad about yourself in that. And then after a while, then it affects your actions. It forms a habit and it forms who you are. But the amazing thing, people can also work as the accuser of the enemy. The, the enemy will drop into somebody to say, you know, that person is such and such and so and so. And you say that. And then that person hears that and they say, well, why, why would they say I'm like that? Why would they say that, I, that, I, that I'm that? Why would somebody say that I'm gay? Why would somebody say that I'm angry? Why would somebody say that I'm mean? Why would somebody say that I'm a cheater? A am I that way? Am I that way? And then the enemy attacks. Of course you are. That's exactly what you are. And then after a while, that thought, if you don't take it captive, it begins to come down into your beliefs. Yeah, that, that must be who I am. And after a while, then your beliefs begin to dictate your actions 
emotions, and then your actions develop the character, and then you begin to say, I guess that's who I am. Listen, what begins as a thought from an accusation will affect your beliefs. That will affect your behavior, and you'll start walking in defeat, and you'll never know your full potential. Accusations and thoughts can't take away your salvation, but they certainly can keep you from walking in your victory in this life. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Realize that we're in a spiritual battle, and the battle is in the unseen realms. So today when we talk about the accuser, we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament in the book of Zechariah. In the book of Zechariah. And what you're going to see is you're going to see a courtroom scene that happens in the unseen, in heaven. And it's going to be exactly what we face in this life. And God's going to pull back the screen a little bit and help us to see into the court of heaven. I don't know how many of you like to watch court TV shows on TV. I'm not talking about Judge Judy or Judge Jerry, but I'm talking about maybe some of the old Perry Mason shows or Matlock or L.A. Law, Law and Order or great movies like A Few Good Men. But there's a courtroom scene in heaven that we're going to look at today. Of course, God is the judge, and so it's a courtroom in heaven. We're going to see different characters. We're going to see the the enemy, Satan, as the accuser. Say, the devil accuses. Revelation 12 and 10. I think it's there in your notes. Revelation 12 and 10 notes, but it's on the screen. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. Read it with me. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. So there's two things that happen here. First of all, on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Satan no longer had the access to the throne of God the way he had before. Now, we already knew last week he's been kicked out of his position. But, but still yet, even now today, He has the ability to accuse us before God. Prophetically speaking, a lot of theologians believe that when this is completely fulfilled, that when he has no longer access to God, it'll be right at the beginning of the great tribulation when he's accusing and carrying on and trying to conquer the world. But whether or not how we view that theologically, he still has the ability somehow to accuse you and me before God. Here's what you need to know. The devil always lies to you about God. He never tells you the truth about God. He lies to you about God. God doesn't love you. You can never be good enough. You'll never make it. God doesn't answer your prayers. He lies. How many of you know without a shadow of a doubt that this week, in your thoughts, the enemy has lied to you a little bit, something about God, all right? All right, good. Second of all, the devil accuses you. He lies to you about God, and then he accuses you. Uh, Zechariah 3, let's see this court scene. Zechariah 3, beginning at verse 1. Then he showed me, he's showing a vision. He showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? 
Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. What kind of garments? And he was standing before the angel. Let me read that to you, first two voices from the message paraphrase. Next, the messenger angel showed me the high priest Joshua. He was standing before God's angel where the accuser showed up to accuse him, to accuse Joshua. Then God said to the accuser, I, God, rebuke you, accuser. Here's what we've got to realize. The devil loves to tempt us, right? So what does he do? He comes along and he says, go ahead, do that. That's no big deal. Everybody else is doing that. I mean, you're not going to get caught. Nobody will ever know. Besides, who really cares? It's your life. It's your body. Do whatever you want. And so you latch on to the temptation and you yield to the temptation. Now, no longer does he tempt, but now he comes doing what? He comes accusing. And he'll say, you're pathetic. How could you do that? How could you sin like that? God doesn't love you. God can never use you again. You've gone too far. You see, before you sin, he lies to you. But after you sin, he begins to accuse you. Our conscience... The very center of our heart is like a radio transmitter picking up accusations from the prosecutor. Listen, the things that you've been hearing in your mind, those accusations, that's not the Holy Spirit saying, you're bad, you're horrible, you'll never be. And it's not the Holy Spirit drawing you. It's the accuser before the throne of God sending out radio signals and saying how worthless you are, how no good you are. And so we turn on that signal. And so what we're hearing is not conviction. What we're hearing is not something that draws us closer to God. What we're hearing is the enemy accusing us night and day, night and day, and we tolerate that. Why? Because our conscience, our heart, is like a radio that's pulling in all of those transmissions from the accuser. Here's what he'll say. Your past is so terrible. Look at all the things you've done. Remember, and you're, you're a believer. And this week, he took some of you back there. Remember how you did such and such? Remember how you cheated? Remember what you did? Remember the words you said? Remember all those? Do you think that's coming from God? Do you think that's coming from the Holy Spirit? That's coming from the accuser that's standing before the court of heaven and saying, you're worthless, you're no good, and we've got the signal turned on. It's not something from in here. It's the transmitting signal that's coming from another region into where we are. That's why it says we need to take every thought captive. That means I change the radio station. I change the station from how bad you are to, to what the Word says about me. And that's what I program into my mind to silence the accuser. If he can't keep you focused on your past, He'll start dialing in and sending these accusatory words about where you are now. And he'll bring up every flaw in your life. Oh, you're a terrible Christian. Oh, you're not good enough. You'll never be able to please God. Now, there are certain times in our life that those signals are stronger than other times. Have you ever noticed that when you get into some trouble, 
those accusation signals, that radio station seems to be playing louder than before. Uh, maybe you lose your job, or maybe you get sick, or uh, somebody betrays you, or uh, somebody commits adultery. And here, here's what the signal says. God's punishing you. You deserve everything you're getting. God's punishing you. You're getting, you deserve everything. And that radio signal keeps coming in. And we wonder, what's wrong with me? Why did those thoughts come? Because night and day, there's an accuser from accusing radio station, whatever you want to call it, coming and accusing you, accusing you. And then, when you get serious with God, you know, I'm going to start coming back to church. I'm going to start reading the Word. I'm going to start really getting on. And then that, that signal comes in. You know what? If people around you knew what you thought this week and what you said and what you've done, man, they would want to move from their seat and move somewhere else. And so you're praying, God, use me. God, use me. And that radio station keeps putting in those things. You're not worthy of being used. You think God could use you? Well, he could use Brenda up there. Yeah, look at her smile. He could use her. But you think he can use radio station? He can't use you. You've done too far. You've messed up too bad. You'll never get to that place. And night and day, the accusations. And then you start praying. And you say, I've been praying, but I just, I'm not getting an answer to my prayer. Radio signal, the accusations come in. Why should God hear you? Why should God hear you? He's not going to answer your prayer because you don't deserve it. The reason God doesn't answer your prayer is he's mad at you. Don't you realize how mad God is at you, the things that you've done this week? And then and you're trying to draw close to God. You're trying to be used of him. But then the enemy keeps saying, you know, remember that little area where you keep messing up? How many times have you prayed about that? How many times have you journaled, I'll never do that again? How many times have you had people to pray with you? And then the accusation comes. You're a no good Christian. You're never going to get victory over that. You may have victory over this, but you're never going to get victory over that. That thing is going to haunt you to the rest of your life. And what do we do? We turn up that signal a little louder. Well, maybe that's a problem in my life. Maybe that's a problem in my life. He's running accusations night and day. And there's a transmitter in our heart that's receiving those. And until we get to glory, we'll always have those accusations. But in this court scene, we'll find out how to battle those accusations, right? Whoa. Oh, I love this court scene. Joshua is the high priest. Joshua in this passage reminds us of us. It reminds us. He represents the people. And his garments are filthy. The devil is the accuser in this story. He actually appears to have a court case. You see, filth, Joshua has on filthy garments. So filth in the Bible is always a picture of sin. So here is Joshua. Here's me and you. We're on trial. God is a judge. We're being attacked because of sin in our life. Now look at this verse again. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord here is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. It says Jesus often appeared in the Old Testament. 
Remember when the guys are thrown into, into the fiery furnace? They said, whoa, looks like a fourth man is walking among them. That was none other than the Lord. This is not just an angel. This is the Lord Jesus Christ because he is our advocate. He is our advocate. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. Opposing Joshua. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. And imagine standing before God in filthy clothes. Have you ever gone somewhere and you're underdressed? You ever had those dreams that you're way underdressed? Way underdressed. It's one thing about being underdressed. But it's another thing to stand before a holy, just, righteous God. And our clothes are filthy. Filthy of sin. That's the picture here. That's the picture. But the good news is, Jesus is our advocate. Say that with me. Jesus is our advocate. He pleads. Here's what it is. He pleads my case. He pleads my case for me. 1 John 2 and 1. Read it out loud with me. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Now why? But if anyone does sin, why does he say we have an advocate? Because as soon as you sin as a believer, radio station accusation comes in. You're worthless. You're no good. You've done it again. You're a loser. You'll never make up. But he says when that radio station comes in, realize this. We have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father, and he is Jesus Christ, the one true righteous one. Let's give him a hand. Yes, amen. Oh, thank you, God. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Is not this man a burning snick, a stick snatched from the fire? In other words, yes, he's guilty. He's got on filthy garments. But I'm reaching in and I'm pulling him out of the fires that will destroy him. You see, if you reach into a fire and you pull out a stick that's on fire and it hasn't completely burned up, guess what? It doesn't immediately not have smoke on it. It doesn't immediately not be charred. It takes a while for the smoke to get away. It takes a while. So he says, yeah, but here is what he is. Yes, he is a sinner, but I'm reaching in and I'm taking him as someone who's rescued from the fire. And right now I have taken away the guilt of sin and I will through the sanctification process make him as though he's never sinned. And you may accuse him right now because he doesn't look like somebody that's perfect. But I'm in the midst of that because I'm not only his advocate, but I am his redeemer and his restorer. Amen, amen, amen. Isn't the Bible amazing? You ought to read it every once in a while. You ought to read this court scene. Some of you read over that and never thought about this court scene that applies to where we are right now that we fight in a battle that we can't really see. But the Lord says, here's what's going on. The devil is trying to prove Joshua's guilt. But Jesus has a defense. 
He says, take away, verse 4, take away the filthy garments from him. And he said, see, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. He says, see, I've taken sin away from you, and I'm going to put on fine garments. Yes, you were guilty. Yes, you were dirty. Yes, you were unworthy. And yes, the residue of sin is still on you. You're still in process. But I'm putting a fine garment on you. I'm putting something on you that you didn't earn or you didn't deserve. I'm doing this not because you were good, but because I am good. So take off those filthy clothes. That explains why. When Jesus ascended back into heaven, he didn't ascend back with scars. He ascended back with wounds. Because he is our advocate at the right hand of God pleading for us. Put robes of righteousness on him, he says. Put him in right standing. Here's what Jesus would say. Father, the law demands death because the wages of sin is death. But look, right here, right here is the payment for his sins. Look at the blood. Look at the wounds that's still here. I made the payment. There are never two payments for one sin. Father, I don't demand mercy for Terry. I demand justice. This is an infallible case because what I've done, you must cleanse him and put on a robe of righteousness. He is our advocate. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And then look at verse 5. Let him put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they put clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord admonished Joshua saying, thus says the Lord, if you'll walk in my ways and if you'll keep my commands, then you shall also judge my house and likewise have charge of my accounts. And I will give you places to walk among those that are here. Notice what it doesn't say. One year probation. It doesn't say, we've got to see what you're going to do. So I'm going to put you through probation. I'm going to see how good you are. And at the year of, end of one-year probation, if you're good enough, I'll put you back in the service the way you are, were before. And then after three years, I'm going to look at it again. And if you're really doing good after three years, then I'm going to raise you one level higher. It doesn't say that. But he says, take away that. Take away his filthy garments. Put something on his head right now and just say this. If he'll walk in obedience, if he'll keep my, my, my requirements, if he'll just keep on serving the Lord, he can just go ahead and continue to do it now. Somebody here today needs to hear this. Somebody listening online needs to hear this. You've been living under the accusations of the enemy for a long time. You can't and never will, he says to you. What you did can never be taken away. You're no good. But you, and he puts the doubts in your mind. But God says, no, I've forgiven you. Get back to serving me. Get back to pointing people towards me. Get back into action. Get back into the game. We have to realize there's a difference between the devil's accusations and the spirit's conviction, right? Look, if you're guilty, you're guilty, right? If you're guilty, you're guilty. But the difference is, when the enemy comes and he sees our guilt, he begins to make accusations. He begins, and those accusations do what? They drive us away from God. I'm unworthy. I can't even get into God's presence. And we feel guilty. We feel ashamed. 
We feel dirty. We feel distant from God. That's accusation. But when I'm guilty and the Holy Spirit begins convicting my heart, it draws me to God. I need his grace. I need his mercy. I heard a preacher once say this. I love this. The devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. Wow. The devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. My prayer for you today is this. Isaiah 54 and 17. No weapon turned against you will succeed. You will do what? You will do what? Silence every voice raised up to accuse you. He says, so when that accusation comes, you're worthless, you're no good, you'll never make it, you'll never even begin to be able to get close to God again. When those accusations come, you don't argue with the enemy. Oh, yes, I will. Yes, I will. I'll get back to where I am. Oh, I, I did bad, but I'm going to do good. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do it. No, he says, what am I going to do? I'm going to silence every voice raised up against me. How am I going to do that? I'm going to begin saying what God says about me. He says, you're a failure. The enemy does. You should be ashamed. I just simply change that. No, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am a new creation. And when the enemy begins to say, God is punishing you. No, my father is a good God. He gives good gifts to his children that he loves. This is an attack from the evil one and what the evil one meant for harm. My God will use for good. When, when, you, when the enemy says, oh, God is disappointed in you. God doesn't love you. No, in all these things, I'm more than a conqueror through him. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor powers, nor heights, nor death, nor anything else in creation will separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. This week, in your alone time, I want you to do something. This is your next step. I want you to get out a notebook, a piece of paper, and I want you to just get quiet before the Lord. And I want you to just begin remembering all the accusations that the enemy has attacked you with in the last week. I just want you to write them out. Every one of them. Yeah, there's another one. Yeah. I want you to fill that page with every accusation that the enemy brings against you. And then after you do that, I want you to go back, preferably with a red pen, and I want you to draw a line through those in the shape of a cross. And I want you to write the word blood. I want you to draw a line in the shape of a cross. And I want you to draw blood. Draw, write the word blood. Cross and the word blood. Until every accusation is covered by the cross and blood. And then I want you to take that piece of paper. I want you to rip it. I want you to fold it. And I want you to take it and tear it. Tear it in the smallest pieces that you can. Get rid of that. 
I want you to get rid of that, and I want you to throw it up in the air and simply say this, as far as the east is from the west, so are those accusations from me because I am in Christ, and I am going to walk in Christ. That's your assignment for this week. That's putting, that's putting legs to this. My prayer is for this of you. Because he, he attacks, he accuses me the same way. I've heard it. I've heard it this week. You're not good enough, Terry. You're not good enough. You can never take this church to the next level. You, you shouldn't be the lead pastor here. You're not even worthy of the marriage that you're in. You're, you're not really a good example in everything you do. Have to change the station. No, I am the righteousness of Christ. The spirit of truth dwells in me. The devil is a liar. Jesus is my advocate. And when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. And the truth is, I am anointed. I am called. I am who I am. I am a brand. I am a stick plucked from the fire. And I'm in process being cleaned up day by day to become more like Him. And my God will never leave me. My God will never forsake me. My God is with me. My God is fighting for me. I'm not fighting for victory today, but I'm fighting from victory because I have an advocate and His name is Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Amen. So, Zechariah the prophet says, I want you to understand, for we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places in the unseen realm. But God in his mercy drew back the curtain a little bit for us today. And some of you have been feeling so bad about yourself because you wonder why you can never get rid of those thoughts that keep coming and coming and coming and coming. It's because the, ad, the, the accuser has been accusing you before God. Look at this. Look at that. Look at this. And then that signal comes into your heart. But now today we realize for every time he accuses me, I have an advocate there with God. He says, oh, no, it's not mercy Terry gets. Terry gets justice because of what he's done, of how he's called into me and let me and let Jesus come into my life. Let's pray. Father, we ask you today to give us the power of your living word to defeat the lies and the accusations of the evil one. With every head bowed, those of you who would say, you know what, I'm a Jesus follower, but I'm really fighting some accusations right now. And I could really use, I could really use more of God's power to help me with this. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Hands going up all over. Those of you that are watching online, let me pray for you today. Father, thank you for your living word. Thank you, Lord, that you quench the fiery darts of the enemy, all those accusations. Thank you. We put on the whole armor that we're able to stand. We have the helmet of salvation to keep the devil from shooting those fiery darts to beat our brain off. Lord, I pray today for those that feel defeated, that feel unworthy, that feel unlovable. God, those that feel the shame, we thank you today, Lord. They are not what they did. They are who you say they are. 
And we pray that today. God, let their mind be renewed today with the truth of your word. The devil is a liar. There's no truth in him. Father, this week as we meet in life groups, small groups, as we discuss this, we're going to sharpen one another to even become closer to you. Renew our minds. Lord, help us to silence the accusations of the evil one with the truth of your spoken word. Thank you, Jesus, for defending us. May we step into your truth today. May your truth set us free. As you keep praying today, there are some of you that are sitting here and you've been under accusations from the enemy for a long time. The enemy says, you're certainly not good enough. You can never measure up. God couldn't love you. After what you've done, you've gone too far. There are those of you that are here in this house and those of you that are watching online and you needed to hear this truth today. It's not an accident that you're here. Yes, you've sinned. Yes, you've messed up. Yes, you have. Yes, you're unworthy. Those are actually all true. But it's also true that it's not because of your goodness, but it's because of his grace. Here's the story. God became one of us in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus was born of a virgin. He's the one who never sinned. He was called the Lamb of God, the one without blemish, the one who gave his life on the cross for our forgiveness for all of our sins. On the third day, when the stone was rolled away, he wasn't there because the tomb was empty. Why? Because Jesus raised from the dead. He now sits at the right hand of God as our advocate. Scripture said anyone who calls upon the Lord can be saved. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what those voices say. When you call upon the Lord, you can be saved today. If you're here today, you're watching online and you recognize and know that you need his grace, you need his mercy. You say, you know what? I need to turn from my sin. I need to turn from the lifestyle that I'm living because I know I really need God right now. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me and let me pray with you today? Say, that's me. I need the Lord today. I need him in my heart. I need to make that decision. Those of you that are watching online, also just raise your hand right where you are. Just say, that's me. That's me right now. That's me. I need that right now in the name of Jesus. Everyone pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me. And he rose again so that I could live for him. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you. Silence the accusations. Replace them with your truth. My life is yours. Thank you for a new life. You have my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.